All right, well, we are closing out the book of Joshua this week and next week. We're in Joshua 23. And when you have somebody that's on their deathbed or somebody that's getting towards the end of their life, and they're, they're summing these things up, whether they've written it in a will or they're telling you these last words, this is the culmination of somebody's life. And they don't usually crack a joke. Now, maybe I probably will, but... It's usually the most intense. This is the takeaway. This is the legacy. This is the one thing, the culmination of their life that they want to share with you going into the future for other generations, their legacy that they want to be known for. And that's what we're going to hear from Joshua today. He's going to call the elders together and he wants to share some words with them. So let's pray and then we're going to go into verses one through three. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you that it's timeless. And just thinking, Lord, about Joshua and how we are going to read these words. He had no idea, Lord, when he was speaking to those elders, at least I don't think, Father, that he would be speaking from generation to generation for millennia, these truths that would be yours as he was closing out his time. And so we pray that we would gather those things that you collected from his life to share with us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 through 3, Now it came to pass... A long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is He who has fought for you. I am old, he says. What does that mean? Some, I say that I'm old, and you, some of you guys will laugh at that. But Joshua is 110 years old. Seven years to defeat the enemies, 13 years dividing the nation up and getting everyone into their, their locations and getting settled, 40 years in the desert, Years before that, he is 110 years old. So when he says, I'm old, he means it. When he says he's advanced in age, he has done it. The things that he has seen in his lifetime. Joshua has seen manna rain down from heaven. He has seen the miracles. He's seen the serpents in the desert. He's seen the destruction of Pharaoh. He's seen the ten plagues. He's seen the conquests of Israel. He's seen the battles against the Canaanites. He has seen the sun stand still. The things that this man has seen in his lifetime. I would say that he's got some things to teach us this evening. Joshua, after all those things he's seen, all those things he's done, all those things that they were accomplished, he could easily have his treasure chest of medals and medallions and diplomas. Look what I did. Look at this. Look at this situation. You guys should be really blessed and really honored to have me, Joshua, in your presence. But what does he bring these elders together for? What is he bringing these judges of Israel for? He is saying, it was the Lord. It says, I am old, advanced in age. Verse 3, you have seen all that the Lord, your God, has done. Not what I've done. Not what I'm capable of. Not what I've accomplished. This isn't a retirement party 
where they're shaking hands and saluting, wow, you're amazing, you're an awesome person, you did all these great accolades, we hope to live up with you. No, he gathers them all together in his final speech, and he wants them to know, look what the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. And it says there at the end of verse 3, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. I also want you to see that he's calling the elders, the heads, the judges, and their officers for a reason. Why is he calling them together? He's concerned. He's got some big concerns. He's about to leave. And now there's a legacy that needs to be filled. And I want to give you a spoiler alert before we go into verses 4 and 5. Nothing that he asks him to do happens. Because when we get into the book of Judges, we're going to see that it's an absolute failure over and over and over again. And so we want to take some lessons from that as well. So with that spoiler alert, we know the ending. Let's look at what he says here, verses 4 through 5. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Now, they're in their territories, but remember, they left behind remnants. They had made deals. They had compromised. Remember, Jerusalem itself is by a different name. It's run by Canaanites, for example. They're not going to get expelled out of there until David comes and gets them out. And so Joshua is telling them, look at everything that God has done and finish the job. Finish the job. God has expelled everyone. I've given you guys. These are the names. This is the places. Go and finish the job. In fact, there is an important spiritual principle here. When he says in verse 5, And the Lord your God will expel them. So the Lord will deliver them into their hands the way that he did the entire nation. But then what does it say? From before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land. So the Lord expels them, but they have to possess it. The Lord has given us victory over sin, death, the devil. He's given us the Word of God. He's filled us with the Holy Spirit. He's given us these things that we were unable to do on our own. Uh, Some of the brothers are in the book of Romans, and you see that no man seeks after God. No, not one. We are all born into sin, slaves to Satan in this world. But then Jesus came and gave us life. He gave us victory. He expelled death, sin, the enemy. But we have to possess it. See, the Lord does the expelling, but we have to possess it. We need to walk in those promises. We need to grow in those promises. We need to be drawing closer to the Lord. That's what Joshua was telling the nation of Israel in a physical sense where we as Christians in the New Testament have to apply on the spiritual sense. Again, it is so important for me to keep telling you and reminding you, Israel's not going to do it. They're going to get comfortable. They're going to get spiritually lazy. They're going to be influenced by the nations around them, the false gods, the false idols, and they're going to take their eyes off the Lord. We're going to see that chapter after chapter in the book of Judges. The Lord will not forsake them. They will continue to be delivered. But Joshua is trying to make sure they stay attached to God. All the miracles and the things that Joshua has seen, 
and yet he cannot give that to the people. He can't just take that, those experiences and just implant it into them. And so Israel is going to become detached from who they are at this time. They're going to lose their cultural identity, corporately speaking. The Lord will never forsake them. And so the Lord continues to bring them back. But for generation after generation, until they're taken into captivity, they will constantly struggle with idolatry over and over again. But this is when we're really going to start taking this home. Because we have elders in this fellowship. We have people in this fellowship that have been around for a while. You have seen things in America that our kids here are never going to dream of. You've seen it in its height, in its greatness. You've seen it in its growth. You've seen it as a shining beacon of freedom to the entire country. You've seen us go from being a Christian nation with the Ten Commandments hanging in the courtroom, praying in schools corporately, to where all those things have been removed and they've been mocked and they've been condemned. And you just shake your finger, and it's like, well, back in my day, well, we're not in those days anymore, so what are you doing now? Are you doing what Joshua is doing? Are you calling the elders together? Are you calling the leaders together? Are you influencing that culture? Are you influencing today? Or are you just sitting on the chair, on your rocking chair in the front porch, just like, yep, it used to be better back in my day. Joshua is not leaving without a fight. And maybe it's going to work out, maybe it's not in his mind, but he's not going to go to his grave to see the Lord without saying something, without doing something. Because to drive this point home before we go to the next few verses, our enemies are constantly talking. They're constantly influencing. The enemies of the gospel and the word of God are speaking to the children. They're speaking to the next generation. In my household, we've had discussions why do they have to force the issue with drag shows with kids? Why is it to the kids? Because the enemies of the gospel are not dumb. They're going to bypass you and skip you and go to the next generation. Now, in the nation of Israel, what the leader, Joshua, is wise enough to know this, and he wants to go to those that have influence and say, don't you depart from God. Don't you depart from his miracles. Joshua doesn't say, well, we came from the greatest generation. I'm the greatest leader. No, he says, look what your God has done. Look what the Lord has done. Finish it. Possess it. The Lord has done the work, but we need to possess it. So now in verses 6 through 8, he's going to continue this thought. He's still speaking. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it, to the right hand or to the left. And lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of their name or of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. That's a highlight verse if you've ever seen one. Verse 6, right? I mean, that's, that should be written in your walls of your home. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it, right hand or to the left. Everything that Joshua tells them to do here, they do the opposite. They do not stay close to the word of God. They do not write it on the tablets of their heart. They do not wrap it around their doorposts and write it on their foreheads and keep it around their arms. They don't do that. They start to 
get closer and more comfortable with false gods. They allow Molech to be in the valley of Megiddo, and they sacrifice their children on the altar there to a false god. That's how depraved and how far this goes. All because they depart from the word of God. Listen, brother, sister, I am not concerned that the government and the non-believer does not have the Ten Commandments on their wall. I am not concerned that they are not reading the Bible. I am concerned that the Christian, the follower of Christ, is not in the Word of God. They don't have the Ten Commandments. And before we start getting upset with the enemies of the world, Romans clearly tells us they are a slave. Why are you mad at them? They're not in control. We should be a beacon of light and truth to the gospel, but we don't even know the Word of God ourselves. We're to hold fast to it. Be courageous. It takes courage to keep the Bible. It takes courage when the whole world is saying, no, you are the backwards one. You are the fundamentalist. You're the hypocrite. Yes, I am a radical Bible-believing fundamentalist. I believe in all the fundamentals of the Bible, and I don't care what label they put on it. We can't do those things outside of Christ. We have to be courageous and hold fast. When you hear that word hold fast, what do you think about? You know, I'm a weird history nerd. I think about old 18th century sailors in the storm holding the ropes, knowing if they let go of the ropes, the sails are gone. If the sails are gone, everyone dies because the ship has no motor, no backup plan. It needs the sails. And so in old sailor movies, they'll even have it tattooed on their hands. Hold fast. That's how important it is. Well, we are to hold fast to the Bible. Now, listen, I'm just as guilty to send my buddies TikTok videos and YouTube. I don't watch TikTok, but YouTube videos or funny gifts or Babylon Bee memes, and I'm sending them. Am I sending the Word of God like that every day? Am I planting the Word of God every day the same way? Am I speaking truth and life? Am I truly holding fast? And I get convicted when I read this. And so the question to us is, how do we become courageous, courageous followers of Christ? And it is very simple. Make the study of the Word of God the priority of your life. Not a priority, not important. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple of Christ, then you need to make the study of the Word of God the singular priority of your life for your marriages, for your relationships, for your work life, for politics, for what, financial decisions, for your mental health, your well-being, how to deal with past trauma, how to deal with future hardship. Everything that we do should be going through and by and out of the Word of God. One of my favorite quotes from Spurgeon, and you know he's got a ton, right? Because it's a saying for all pastors. If you don't know who said it, just say Spurgeon did. They'll believe you. But one of my favorite real certain studies, real quotes from Spurgeon is this. He says, The man of God should be so full of the Word of God that when he's cut, he bleeds Scripture. Be courageous. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and do, if only, if only. Now, I've been a little mean about Israel and about how they couldn't keep the Word of God and how they fell. And the book of Judges is going to stand up and is going to prove me right. 
But for the Christian, we have something they don't have. They did not have what we have. We have the Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus Christ who opens our eyes to the Word of God. We have something they never even could have dreamed of. They just prayed that one day they might experience a glimmer of what we have every day. And He comes alongside us. And so be encouraged. Be encouraged to be courageous and then hold fast. Verses 9 through 13. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God. He is who fights for you as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Or else, if indeed, you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them, and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out those nations from before you. But they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. And that, my friends, is exactly what happened. In the book of Jude, it tells us that we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. In one commentary when I was studying the book of Jude, it spoke about how the love of God is like a fountain, a never-ending fountain. The grace of God, it never fails, it never is completed, it never runs out. To drink up the grace and the love of God is like a fish saying he's going to drink the ocean. That's how innumerable it is. But it says in Jude to keep yourself in the love of God. And so you can walk away from that fountain. And you can be one foot away from that fountain and you can die of dehydration. You can dry out. You know, what happens when you get dehydrated? You get a headache, you clam up. You, you, it, you drive you down, you get tired, you get sleepy, and all you need is a little bit of water. Uh, in my own life growing up, my mom was a nurse, and so a, a military, a army nurse and an emergency room nurse, so she was as tough as it gets. And I'd say, Mom, I have a headache, and I'd tell you the exact same answer every time. I hear it every single time I tell my wife and my kids, because I tell them the same thing. Drink, drink a cup of water, she would say. Mom, I got a headache. Drink a cup of water. So I do the same thing now. Keep yourself in the love of God. Oh, I'm spiritually dry. Oh, I'm struggling. Oh, the world's got me down. The false idols, the world, the Fox News, all the negative stuff, all the sad news and the angry news, and the whole world's against me. I'm telling you, drink a cup of water. Go spend some time in the fountain of the Word of God and be refreshed and be refilled. Jesus said, drink of me, for I am rivers of living water. The book of Jude tells us, keep yourself in the love of God. Here, the same thing Joshua is telling to Israel, love the Lord your God. Be courageous in His Word. Grow in Him. He's fighting for you. Who can defeat you? He'll chase a thousand. And every once in a while, we all need to be reminded, Jesus doesn't lose, ever. Jesus never loses. Earlier, I lectured. I said, you know, some of us remember how America used to be, and we're all nodding our heads. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. 
Well, he's not any weaker than he was then. America is departing from the Word of God, and America corporately is leaving the love of God because it's turning its back on God. They're blaspheming God. They're disrespecting marriage, which he created. Government, which he created, is turning its back on its creator, God itself. And so, yes, corporately speaking, the nation is turning away. But he is still on the throne, and we can come right on back. We can repent and come right on back. And the same thing is true of your household. And so I said earlier, I said, well, what are you doing about it? Are you just sitting there complaining about how bad things are? Or do you see, like I see, that 18th century sailor that says, hold fast, grab a rope, get courageous, dive into the Word of God, be refreshed and refilled, and know that one man will chase a thousand. And with the Word of God, the very foundation of creation, written in your heart, who can defeat you? We see that with Paul. And we're going to see that as we continue in 2 Corinthians and also through the other epistles. What can separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, peril, sword, sickness, sorrow, suffering, death. To live is Christ and to die is gain. No one can defeat us. So why do we act like it? Because we sit at home and we let the idols of this world affect us instead of being courageous with the Word of God and standing fast in our love. That's exactly what's happening. It's the same formula here is the same formula in the 21st century. Keep yourself in the love of God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so now, verses 14 through 16, it says, Behold this day, I am going the way of all the earth. That is the fanciest way in the world to say, I'm going to die. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until He has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which He has given you. Mike, that just seems so mean. Like, why would God do that? Let's let's build some context here. These people are going to fall so dramatically from the Lord, they're going to burn their own babies alive to a false god. I believe the Lord has the right to be angry. Number one, He has the right to be angry because He is God. He does whatever He pleases. But also, because He's a righteous and holy God, He will not allow this, especially by people that are to be called by His name. These promises are promises that are repeated in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. Remember the blessings and the cursings? It was a very long chapter. You serve the Lord, you follow Him, you shall live, you shall be prosperous. If you go to false gods, you turn away from the Lord, you go a different direction, you'll die and you'll perish. Well, He told them over and over again. And which way did they choose? They wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted to fit in. They wanted to be like everyone else. In 21st century America, 
It is more important than ever that we are in this world but not of it. It is more important than ever that we are living sacrifices to God and that we are not of this world. We need to separate and delineate ourselves. We cannot fit in. Marriage is between one man and one woman to death. There is a man and there is a female. They have specific roles. They are equal in the eyes of creation, but they have unique roles in the biblical household. The Word of God is a foundational truth that cannot be changed. The Bible says you cannot remove or add one jot or one tittle from its Word or you will receive the cursings of this book. Their eternal salvation comes through one man, Jesus Christ. There is no other way to God but through Him. These are eternal truths. They're non-negotiable, and they are to separate us from those that think differently. Jesus knew this was coming. Jesus said that if you love me in the New Testament, in the Gospels, I shall separate mother from daughter, father from son, husband from wife. They will hate you for my sake. That wasn't his intention. He doesn't want those things to happen. He's merely declaring that that would happen. In these times, you need to be courageous, hold fast, and stand in the love of God. I'm not against any people. I'm not against any group. I'm not against any made-up gender. If a guy wants to dress up like a clown or a woman or a stormtrooper, I don't care. The gospel is the same to every human being alive. I'm not against Democrats, I'm not against Republicans, I'm not against communists, socialists, monarchists, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ came so that all could be saved and live life more abundantly. That is where we stand. That is where we hold fast. And yes, there are consequences for the decisions that we make. As I read this chapter, I felt a conviction, and I started to ask myself, what is more important? Recently, I, I'm getting at that age, and I thought, well, you know, I really need to write out a will. And I need to write out a will because I was worried about, you know, will my wife get my house? Will the life insurance policy go to my kids? And it's a good thing. The Bible says in Proverbs that it's good for a man to put away for his children. You know, that the, a wise man saves for his children's children. So there is some important legacy there, biblical one. But I thought, who cares about the stuff if they don't follow Jesus Christ? Who cares about the stuff if they're not following the Bible, the Word of God? They have to make decisions for themselves. They've got to grow up in a world that constantly is teaching them to hate Christ, hate the Bible, that mocks them constantly. What, what matters is the will. What matters is they're the fattest, richest, happiest adults, and they're not saved. And I thought of Joshua as I was studying this, and this is his last will and testament. I am going the way of all the earth, and the only thing that I want you to do is hold fast to Scripture and love the Lord your God and finish what He has done. And so in the beginning of the sermon, I talked about how we remember what America used to be. And too many people are at a funeral for the United States of America. Oh, it was so great back then. No, it wasn't. I've read the history books. But the question is, what are you going to do today? What are you doing now? The enemies of the gospel are not concerned with 50 years ago. They are concerned with influencing today because they have a vision of America where they want it to be. 
And they are doing everything they can to push and to blow and to take this ship off course because they have a destination and it is in the rocks. We need to hold fast. We need to hold fast to the rope and we need to preach the word of God and there will be a revival. There will be an awakening. There will be kids like me who was mentored by people that were 50, 60 years old who taught me about things that had happened, but then they implanted in me a future hope, a work of God that is happening today because the Lord's mercies are new every day. God is faithful. Joshua is telling them that God has never leave them. He's never forsaken them. They were obviously always successful and victorious with Christ, with the Lord at this time. Excuse me. I'm prophesying for them. And he's telling them, stay with him. But they won't. You see, God expels, but we must possess. It's one thing for me to teach and to preach a sermon. It's one thing for us to shake our heads. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh-huh, I agree, uh-huh. And then you go home next to the idols of the enemy and get conformed to his images. Or you can go home, verse 6, be very courageous and keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. We'll see. We'll see if you do it. I know Jesus. He'll meet you there, though. Well, let's pray. Let's seek his face. Let's see what he does with us this evening as we pray and intercede one for another. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would continue to encourage us and lead us. There is work to be done. And you tell us in your word that no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is worthy of the kingdom of heaven. We don't want to look back. We look forward, Lord. We want to sprint to the finish line before your glorious return. Use us to teach others, to encourage others, to look back for examples of your victories, to implant future hopes. We pray that we would hold fast this evening and that you would help us to do it through your spirit. In Jesus' name.